Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode, we've got a special treat for you. As we close our annual Meet the Nominees special, we have one more great discussion for you from our Movies for Television and Miniseries Symposium. Like the Feature Film Symposium, the annual event is a roundtable discussion with the directors nominated for the Guild's Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Movies for TV and Miniseries. On January 31st, Kira Sedgwick, the director of Story of a Girl, and Jean-Marc Vallée, the director of Big Little Lies, joined moderator Mike Robe at the DGA Theatre in Los Angeles to discuss the making of their projects. Nominees Scott Frank, the director of Godless, Barry Levinson, the director of The Wizard of Lies, and George C. Wolfe, the director of The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, were not available to participate. So please enjoy our Meet the Nominees Movies for Television and Miniseries special, and listen to the nominees take you through the challenges and triumphs of their productions. Highlights include Jean-Marc Vallée speaking about his behemoth 90-day schedule for Big Little Lies, and Kira Sedgwick on the necessity of making a small story with large ramifications feel nuanced. Well, welcome everyone, and thank you for coming this evening. Um, uh, These are just five terrific films uh, that should be should be uh, a, a, a real marker for how much the long-form television has advanced over the years. As Betty mentioned, we, uh, I think the first television movie was clocked as 1961, See How They Run, directed by David Lowell Rich. Uh, and over the years, uh, those of us who do long-form have... have uh, uh, suffered some abuse a little bit. Uh, I can recall a time when the worst thing you could hear or read in one of your reviews was, uh, it just plays just like a movie of the week. Uh, and, you know, we have really come a long ways. Uh, I think now I don't do television as about as passe as uh, I don't wear white shoes after Labor Day. Uh, uh, we These films are terrific, and these two filmmakers who can be with us tonight, uh, are just artists in every sense of the word. Their work is stunning. Uh, apologies for, uh, I'm just trying to, George is doing a play in New York, and uh, Barry, and uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, uh, Scott. And Scott are, are, are also busy. But we're so fortunate mm-hmm. to have Kira Sedgwick and Jean-Marc Vallée. So... Uh, I think if uh, I want to start by suggesting that if you were trying to explain to a five-year-old what uh, directors do, the probably the most accurate and quickest answer would be uh, directors make decisions. And I sometimes think that the hardest decision of all just might be the first one, which is why do why do I want to take this film on in the first place? What is it about this film? that speaks to me that I'm going to say yes. Uh, so let, let's start with Kira. How did uh, Story of a Girl come into your life? What, what made you say yes? Um, I actually bought the book, uh, Story of a Girl, in 2007 um, and hired a, um, a female writer-director, Lori Collier, to, to uh, write and direct the film. I was producing it at the time, and it was... I just, I felt like um, it was the first book I'd read that to me really spoke about how hard it was to be a girl and how hard it was to be a teenage girl in particular. Um, It was vivid. It was deeply emotional. It was incredibly moving. It was funny. It was, she had such a fresh voice. There's so many scenes in the movie that are directly, the dialogue is taken directly from the book. So to me, the book was just a powerhouse. Um, And I tried to get it made for 10 years as a producer, and we would take it to places, and they would say, you know, we really like 
it. It's a really great story, but nothing happens. And I'm like, are you kidding? There's there's one huge you know explosion after another. I mean, to me, that that small clip that you guys saw um, in the kitchen. I mean. These are the moments we remember growing up as children. I mean, I know I do. You know, those moments where the shit hits the fan and it does it it's a ripple, but it's its impact is profound. And so for me, this movie had to be made. And it we, you know, for 10 years tried to get it made and by the time it came time to make it, I was ready to direct, which was a wonderful gift for me. And uh, so so it's been a passion project. I hate that word. Oh God. Um, forever, you know. So that's why I said yes. The silence, yeah, was very powerful. Thank you. Thank you. And the Mr. Vallier, how did Big Little Lies come your way? And what made you say yes? Beautiful story, the book. And uh, I've worked with Reese before and Bruna Papandrea, the producer on Wild. And I loved both of them. We had an amazing experience. And Reese came back with Nicole. That was another uh, reason why when you have the two of them, you know. Why don't you do that with us, Mark? You know, and I don't know. Let me think about it, girls. And, uh, and, 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 and so I read the book, and then I read the first two scripts that David Kelly, David E. Kelly wrote, and I went, "Oh my God, this is so good!" And and the funny thing is, I was already, I already signed with uh, for uh, uh, directing Sharp Objects before doing Big Little Lies, so, so I, I came back to, to Reese and Nicole and David saying, I, I like it, I'd like to do this, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to direct, I signed, you know, for directing all the eight episodes of uh, Sharp Objects, so I don't think I can do uh, the whole thing. They wanted me to do the whole thing. I said, why don't I do the first one or the first two, you know, and, uh, and they said, all right, so, uh, and then started the prep, started the prep, and but to answer your question, it, it's it's the material. It's uh, like she responded to the book, and uh, it got so many great relation, uh, great great characters. The emotion was on the page. I laughed out loud uh, when I was reading. I was emotional. I was I was almost crying, and uh, and uh, it was it was tough. And, but yet I could see myself, you know putting a, a year or two of my life serving this, and it's always about that. Huh? You, choose, you choose your film, you choose your life, and you choose, uh, yeah. It is important, it, yeah, you live with it. It does become your life, so. Uh, now, both of these films were based on novels. Um, I'm curious, did, did you work at all with the authors? Were they a presence in the life of your creation of the film? Did you feel a loyalty to the novels? Uh, did, did you work with Sarah on yeah, the Yeah, I mean, Sarah, no, we didn't work with Sarah on the screenplay, but we did send it to her and we got her stamp of approval. And I think, um, you know, uh, I, I think she was very supportive, um, but we did not involve her in it. And it, what we added was the social media piece because what happens in the story um, in the book is that she, um, her father opens the do car door um, on this teenage girl when she's giving her boyfriend a blowjob. And we wanted to update it and make it more, you know, I, I, more impactful for today. And so we made it that she makes a video with him and then it goes viral. So nice. that, that's what that was, yeah. And I could have I sworn, I may be wrong, that I saw uh, Leanne Moriarty at the party yeah. in the end, at the scene uh, that we saw oh. a brief clip of. Is that true? Was she? Did she join you was for the fiesta? Was she there as an extra, you mean, as a, I as a cameo? So. Not so much. Uh, she was there. She came in. But I was like, the, the, all the girls were there this day and uh, 10 days in a row, 10 nights in a row. And I, I, I hardly remember what, what, <laughs> what, uh, what happened. It was the craziest shoot of my life, This, this those two nights, uh, two, two weeks of uh, shooting nighttime. But uh, she was... Uh, uh, David David adapted and and, and uh, he was uh, he knew already what he was so when I came in he knew what he was going David to Kelly, do David Kelly David Kelly and um, and uh, it was it was it was amazing and it 
was great. So I didn't participate right there at the beginning. But then with David, as as I started to work to 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 get involved, uh, I do I do a pass. You know, I I try to put the directorial approach in the script so everybody mm -hmm. have a, a feeling of how. Uh, I'm going to direct and try to get a sense of perspectives and point of views, uh, mainly from the main characters, in that case, the five ladies. And uh, so, uh, but uh, it was all David must give uh, credit to the man. Well, it's a tradition uh, on this evening uh, when we uh, meet with our the best of our best filmmakers that we kind of break up the discussion into uh, the preparation period for a film and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, the production phase and then we'll talk about the post-production experience and uh, it seems only fitting because that's the schedule of our life when we do a movie. Um, Jean-Marc, I wanted, and I've already touched on this with you, but I, I, come on man, seven hours, you directed all seven hours and by the way, that's not a broadcast hour. That's that's not 42, 41 minutes and change. That's seven HBO hours, which are pretty close to an hour. Uh, so how in the world, uh, how do you approach the prep of seven hours of, of uh, filmmaking? That's a lot. That's a lot. It was a 90-day schedule and uh, what an amazing team. A 90-day schedule. 90-day schedule, amazing team. Dear God. We, we, we started to approach it. It was like for the first two weeks of prep, I was just directing the first two. So I was, <laughs> you guys figure out, you know, the, the, the rest. And, uh, and then, and then, uh, and then uh, they, they, they convinced me and I went, all right, yeah, I'll be able to do two series back to back doing everything and uh but you prep uh, and and we prep this like like a feature film a long feature film seven hour feature film and and we did the same with the post-production so we we prep we shot we didn't cut anything and we started to cut to edit uh, once we were done shooting and uh so you shot the straight 90 days you didn't you never stopped you never I, broke I, off I, to cut I, or anything. we shot five days a week we prepped one two three as a as a feature and then we stopped two weeks working on ah. four and five then we shot four and five and then stopped for a week or three four four or five days plus the weekend and then we shot six and seven so so we had a little little break between like these three blocks but they were shot like uh, almost in uh, like three separate uh, feature films that are or I mean, one big, big one with three parts. And what, did the breaks involve more location scouting and more yes. casting? Yes. So it wasn't really a break. It was yeah. like working on the script and uh, prepping the scripts, and then location scout and finding the uh, and doing some casting with David Rubin and finding the character characters, the the, the actors for. I hope you had Red Bull in your contract. <laughs> I don't, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, uh, I got good tea. Pass that on to your tea. agent. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's just amazing. Uh, and, and so uh, did, did you have everything when you started shooting apart from breaking a couple of, did you have to, you, was it all together when you, for the, for the, for example, for the first three episodes, you had all the locations picked. There was no casting to do while you were shooting that no, sort of no, thing. No, 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 we didn't have anything, uh, uh, everything. Uh, we, 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 we had like, uh, when we started to shoot four and five weren't finished. So one, two, three were finished. The and scripts. That, the scripts. Finished. Yeah. Okay. Then, uh, as we were shooting one, two, three, uh, David was writing, uh, rewriting four and five. Then we had a break, and then I was uh, uh, working after that on four and five, and so on. And uh, and and since we didn't have all of the scripts, so casting wasn't completed. So it was an evolving process, and we did it one day at a time uh, with a great crew and a really an amazing crew around me. David Tickleton, my first AD, and Greg and Barbara, Barbara Hall and Greg Feinberg. Uh, they know uh, the name of the game. I was uh, so well supported to, 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 to do this and shooting in LA and transforming LA uh, uh, into Monterey. We shot only three weeks in Monterey uh, with the ocean over there that is very angry, very uh, visual, very powerful, which is almost like a metaphor for how these five women are feeling and getting into and becoming almost the five women at the end, as powerful as, as the ocean, as beautiful, as uh, strong, and uh, 
but um, that's why uh, shooting over there, yeah, was was important, you know. Uh, and they all have a relationship with the ocean. They live near the ocean at different levels, you know, all of them. So it was it was an amazing, amazing shoot, amazing production, and be surrounded with all these great actors also, and being the first audience on the set, always seeing what they're doing. And we're shooting with a DP that is not afraid of not lighting, shooting available light and held. So it's very, very great. And the actors, they love it. You know, they can move wherever they want. Uh, I ask the crew to get out so we can shoot 360 degrees. So I'm alone with the DP, the focus puller, and sometimes we even ask the boom guy to get out. And the, the actors only have their mic, so they can use the space. And we shoot the rehearsals. There's uh, when we start, you know, the blocking and rehearsals are the same. We just start shooting, and then we figure it out, and we get creative, knowing that we're going to cover the scene through mainly through the girl's perspective. So when we start shooting, they do some stuff, and then I react to it. Becomes something very. Uh, it's a great collaboration between uh, between the DP, the, the the actors, myself, even the focus puller, because uh, there's no rehearsal. And this guy is next to me, and I hear him breathe. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really, really, and he's got he's got a responsibility on his shoulder because there's no rehearsal. He's capturing this, and he don't want to mess it up. It's Nicole there. It's Reese, and it, you know what? And it's and so we got pressure, but it's a it's a great feeling. It's great pressure. It's a, and it's beautiful when a, when it works and when they give when you see them giving themselves like that in front of the camera and just trying stuff and they surprised me and I didn't know they were gonna do this. <laughs> and, then, and then I I, I take I, I'm behind the cameraman and and since he has an eye closed and and I don't <laughs> so I, I'm behind him and I push him and I bring him uh, as if I'm 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 the key grip pushing the dolly and 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 so so it's really it was it was an amazing experience well now, Kara. Uh, okay, this sounds like you had an awful time. Yeah, it's terrible. I'm sorry. It's terrible. <laughs> it sounds awful. Oh man, what do you do for a vacation? It's so great. It's so uh, it's so great to see you. Now so he's okay. There, here's from the lips of of a director who's done many films. Here you are. Now you've you've prepped many many times for one character. Yes. And here you are. Now you're now you're prepping for not just all the characters, but you've got to find thirty locations. You've got to cast a crew. Mm -hmm. You've uh, wh what uh, um, uh, was it instinctual for you because you've been around so many sets, or did you have to kind of learn as you go? I think it's both for sure. Um, a lot of it was instinctual. A lot of it was instinctual. I knew thing. I I I was really surprised at how much. I knew and thought I didn't know. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of fake it till you make it. Um, <laughs> I, um, I was very clear about certain things and less clear about others. Um, I, um, I, I, uh, I always felt like as an actor, even though I had a piece, just a piece that I would always see the whole piece, the whole perspective, perspective of the whole show and whatever it was that the writer was trying to say because to me I was just a cog in a wheel of you know what a writer was trying I was serving a writer so for me um, the being a director is just about getting a higher and higher perspective um, and understanding what are we trying to say with this movie what what are we wanting the audience to be left with and everything springs from there all decisions spring from there so it's whether it's cast or crew or DP or you know um, actors and and even production design you want to support that story so for me that was very clear now let's talk a second about then casting because that's I mean between casting and location less and finding locations let's face it that's in and and working with props and etc that's that's 99% of our time at least in in, in the prep process uh, you found an absolutely marvelous young actor in the in the leading role of uh, of uh, Deanna. Is it? I think it's Deanna. 
uh, uh, and I think her name is, is uh, uh, Ryan, Ryan Shane, Shane, Ryan yeah. Shane yeah. with an unusual spelling. Yeah. Um, how did you find her? Um, we saw hundreds of girls, and um, she came in. It was one of those moments where someone just comes in and goes, oh, that's my role, you know? <laughs> and she just, uh, she was brilliant. So she played the scenes exactly the way I heard them in my head. For me, directing... Um, is an understanding of how something should sound. It doesn't mean that you obviously you don't force your actors into that into that into that music that you hear. But when an actor comes in and they they literally say the scene and do the scene exactly how you musically have it in your head, it's pretty profound and incredible. And you could just tell that she was completely overcome with the material and that it was something that she, mm -hmm. whether she lived it herself, she certainly did a great job of making us feel like she did. Um, and she was riveting and she was, and she also was ready on an early take. And, you know, we had a very small budget. And that was very clear that that was going to be something that was incredibly important. Um, so yeah, casting is ninety percent of the gig. Absolutely. Uh, how, how did it feel to be on the other side of the the room during it's those? It's great. Auditions? Oh my god, are you kidding? It's my favorite thing. First of all, it's my favorite thing to make actors feel comfortable in a room. I mean, you know that it's all about the performance. If you don't have performance, you have nothing, nothing, nothing. So you know. I, you know, I, I love it. I, I love taking care of my actors. I always, you know, think of them as like me as mom and just holding them, you know, and creating a safe space for them. And when they came into audition, I know more than anybody how incredibly vulnerable and difficult that is. It's such a difficult process. And to be able to, you know, make it a comfortable space for an actor is a wonderful thing to do, especially when you know what it's like to walk around in their shoes. Well, every performance in your film, in both your films, really, is just terrific. It's, 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 uh, of course, there's that slacker, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Bacon. Uh, that I, I hope you've reminded him that's the best work of his career. In your, in your constantly. Film. Constantly. <laughs> and I mean, well, what has he done, really? So. <laughs> He are did you, me a solid. Are you laughing, Kevin? He, I see he did me a solid. And my daughter actually is also in the film. Uh, Sosie. Yeah, Sosie. Uh, yeah. Is, is terrific in the yeah. film. And your son. Thank you. My uh, son did the music. Did yeah. the, it wasn't quite planned this way. It just sort of happened. There they were. So talented. What could I do? It's, well, it's a family story. Yeah. It's great. Well, so many of us lament uh, being away from our family. You solved that problem in I your know, first picture. Right? I know. I know. I cheated. That's terrific. Um, you had a casting attached to your picture, Jean-Marc. Uh, so I assume when it came to you, Reese and, and Nicole had developed it. Yeah. Uh, and then were they the only two actors at that point when they approached you? Yes. yes. So did so how how did it work for casting the remainder of the picture? Were they heavily involved? Not so involved? They were involved. They were involved. They were their they were their producer's uh, hat when it was time to wear it, and their uh, actress's uh, hat. Uh, and uh, they were involved mainly, you know, to pick, uh, to decide on Laura and uh, Zoe Kravitz, Laura Dern, Zoe Kravitz, and Shailene. And uh, we made we made we made a list with David Rubin, Nicole, Reese, and Bruna and Pear, their partners in their respective uh, production houses. And uh, and then uh, Laura was like almost like uh, something uh, like a natural, and everybody agreed. And now it was, uh, it's always then the scheduled thing. It's, it's, you know, they're all busy, they're, they're in demand, they're great. They're, uh, so was it going to work with Laura? Was it going to work with Zoe? And with, uh, so these three were our, our choices. Our, it, was, it, was, it was an easy thing. We went, oh, if we have these three, and then it happened. Mm -hmm. So Risa, the, the, two of them were, the two of them were so excited, were so thrilled. And, uh, I counted 83 speaking roles in the production. Wow. Uh, I, can't, I, I just can't imagine that you had every one of them when you started shooting. No. So that in, must have involved, I assume, a... Uh, you tell me a great deal of trust with your casting director. Yes, David Rubin. Yeah, David. David yeah. Rubin. He's, Were you he's, looking at tape and your? Uh, or that's how it's. We call that's, it now? You, that's how it starts. And uh, so I've worked with him on uh, on Wild, on the, on BLL, and on Sharp Objects. And uh, he starts. He meets some people, 
and then he goes uh, why don't you meet with these uh, these six or these four or these seven and uh, for for every speaking part and then I go and then we meet and I like to be there it's a, it's such a it's such an important process and uh, and this is where uh, I get some IDs also directing IDs but this is where you you get the feeling and you you that you find the the the, the characters and uh, so and 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 I'm like her, you know. I like working with with actors. I like them. I like what they do. And this is this is it. Like she was saying, yeah? if you don't have performances, you have nothing. It's uh, this is what you want, you know. And and uh, so David is very very uh, very meticulous, and he's very good. He's got instinct, and uh, I trust him a lot. And he introduced me to uh, all these uh, wonderful actors. Well, so so now let's turn to production. So now you're ready to shoot. Uh, you have you're doing an intricate mystery, which you may not even have the outcome of yet, uh, enfolded in a, a, a portrait of jealousies and gender politics and dysfunction. Um, uh, I, I assume that, or, and maybe I'm wrong. Did you you have to shoot somewhat out of continuity? Eighty three actors, complicated levels of storytelling. Did was it was it difficult to keep these interrelationships? In your head, as you shot, uh, what, who well, related to whom, and in what way? I don't think so. It's like you know, we had one, two, three, as I said. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't think any further, you know, than one, two, or three episode okay. one, two, three. So that was it. So, but still, it's 150 pages or so, if not more, and uh, so it's a it's a three it's a three hour film that you got to prep. You got to. And, and as we're prepping, we don't have um, all of the actors, like the Greek chorus, what we call the Greek chorus, all these actors, those actors that are commenting and, and on what could have happened, who did it, because we don't know who's dead and we don't know who did it. But, um, so, and, and this, this thing, this, this mystery, this murder was, was almost just a pretext to, uh, to talk about relationship and love and... How how is it to raise kids and to you know to to you have a spouse and your sex life and this and that and and the domestic abuse in the, in the series that that that, that 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 was a tough thing. Um, so so yeah, it was. Uh, that's why we 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 all related to you know these these. Uh, it, it's it's something that we could relate to, and it, I guess uh, the audience uh, felt the same too. Uh, got a great response um uh, well you did a marvelous job at it I, I i must say and and kira one of the things i felt uh, about the story of a girl is i think one of the hardest tasks of any director at any level experience is is the is the maintenance of a narrative tone throughout the film uh your 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 picture is stunning and it's nuanced it's there's an absence of cliche it's not what you think it's going to be it's so easy to assume it's going to be uh an expose or or something about uh you know video shaming and it, it's actually the story of that's only the event that kicks off the film it's a story of recovery and a story of uh of of a family's recovery, not just one individual. Um, so, but you kept the storytelling w one voice, and you did it beautifully. And and I have to feel like you were new at this. This is your first picture, and the exigencies, the exigencies of of production, uh, you know, the light that burns out, the weather, the, how did you, were you, were, there was a tug and pull, how did you resist that and keep your eye on the goal? Um, well, to me, the movie had to be nuanced and it had to have a very delicate touch because it is, it is, um, it's a small story and I didn't want it ever to pretend not to be a small story. But to me, as I said, it has these major, major ramifications because we all come from a family and many of us come from families that are, you know, dysfunctional on some level. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, um, I, I did, you know, obviously 
prep. You prep within an inch of your life and hope for the best. And then you get there and the one day that it couldn't rain, you know, the one day where we had everything outside, it was it was torrential, biblical, <laughs> biblical, you know, rain. And I just, I don't know, I had this calm that happened to me that I don't think I would have as an actor, really, um, because you know you're responsible for 125 people, so you better at least pretend that you're calm. But I did, I felt this sense of like somehow it all was gonna be fine, and it was, you know, we had to move to a different place and we had to shoot something different, but it was almost better, you know? I, I, I'm very much of the mind that you prep and prep and prep, and then you, and then something incredible happens, something you never expected. Some, uh, uh, some, I mean, there were just a few scenes that I thought, I thought, you know, I had it all in my head and I had a real sense of it. And then something was shot, just the actors came in and it was a completely different scene than I had expected. Even though we had rehearsed it, it just had a totally different tone. Um, so uh, I think the production of it is, is that you trust that your story has everything it needs and it, and it teaches you how to te how to shoot it, right? Mm -hmm. And then the day and the moment and what came before and what comes after, you know, will also support how to shoot it and 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 all the mysteries that happen within that day and I just I think that if you have a tremendous amount of faith in your actors and also in your piece, the magic can happen and um, and it can be extraordinary. I can't touch on tone without uh, thinking about the extraordinary scenes, uh, Jean-Marc, uh, between Nicole and Alex uh, Alexander Skarsgård in your in your picture. Uh, for those of you who I can't imagine who, but if you <laughs> haven't seen it, um, it's uh, these were tough scenes that were in a very stirring way were tough to watch. Um, uh, what starts is, uh, is eroticism between husband and wife swerves into this vicious abuse and finally ends um, in an awareness of how both the violence and her denial contribute to, to the danger. Um, the scenes were so raw, physically, emotionally. Um, describe the collaboration on those scenes. I mean, uh, you, you've talked about the 360-degree approach. Uh, did you, I assume you employ that, and did you, were you able to rehearse these scenes ahead of time? Did you, no. uh, did you limit the takes? How did you approach such sensitive material? Since they're talking scenes, so I knew we didn't have to explore into, it was two persons seated in front of a therapist, and the first time, okay, they get in into the office, but again, it was the same same approach where let's figure it out, let's shoot the rehearsal, let's see how it goes, and we'll react to it. And uh, and uh, and then it was when it's so powerful. Then in the cutting room, it's uh, it's to just honor it and not cut and use the takes as long as possible. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why we feel this way because mm -hmm. there's no. We're not trying to cut good performances. We were there on the set, and there's no music, and there's no editing, and then I, I get I get emotional, and we get emotional, the crew, you know, and mm -hmm. so so the therapist was also such a good listener, and she she's a a, a very strong actress too, and uh, so they they had. Uh, we just started to shoot, and I started. I asked Nicole and Alex if they wanted to be first, or if they want me to. I ask the actors often, you know, do, would you like to start? Should I start on you? Would you want me to start on the other? And you know, then we figure it out. And or sometimes I get an idea, and I want to start on someone, but but this one, uh, Nicole and Alex wanted to. And Nicole, the first, and we shot the first three episodes. So, and and in one day, we shot uh, all these all these scenes for uh, episode uh, one, two, three. Uh, what was it? One? Did it start in one? Maybe it starts in two or three. But uh, but we shot uh, we shot uh, we came twice in that location to shoot all of the scenes in 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 two days. So it was. Uh, for Nicole and then Alex. Alex was there 
just at the beginning for one scene where they're going for the first time to talk about their problem and she's protecting him, she's lying, she's in denial and then he decides to tell the therapist, no, it's not true and then whoop, she sees some hope and we see some hope too and we're like, maybe this guy is honest, maybe he, he, he does want to change and... Uh, and I'm sure he did want to change, but it didn't happen. But uh, but it was uh, it was uh, I did. We didn't do a, a lot of takes because it was so good right there, right at the first rehearsal. First rehearsal became take one, and then we did a take two, and then it was a two shot. And uh, I knew I wanted to go tighter later in the scene. And the therapist had more close-ups than, than 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 Nicole and Alex. Well, not close-ups, but you know, medium shots. And uh, when it came to the these private moments of, of violence, of abuse between them, uh, how did you block those? Because I mean, there was some serious physical. Yeah. Uh, depiction of abuse going on. I mean, Nicole was flying over a couch at one mm -hmm. time, and did you have a stunt double? Uh, did she do it? I mean, how does yeah. that work? For for the very tough one, we had a stunt double, and Nicole wanted to do the the others that weren't that you know that 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 extreme violence. And same thing, uh, crew was getting out, and they could use the space, and. Uh, we block with a stunt coordinator. Okay, he's gonna he's gonna do this, 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 and that, and uh, and uh, sometimes uh, Alex was trying it on the stunt coordin coordinator, or even on me. I wanted to see uh, some. Uh, I want to do that sometimes. You know, I just why don't you do it to me? I want to see uh, you know push me, push me on the wall, and uh, and see you know how how hard it is and how physically it is for the actor to receive that or to do this and. Uh, so, and and it felt messy sometimes, but it feels real because we're shooting the first time, you know, and we tried again not to cut and leave the shots as long as possible. Then when it was uh, very violent, a stunt double was doing the first blocking, the first take Nicole was watching, and then the stunt double was uh, moving out and Nicole was doing what the girl just did. Um. It's interesting that we have two great directors sitting here, one very experienced and one a newcomer uh, with a singular artistic triumph so far. Uh, what to, how did you go about, you have to cast a crew, you have to find a DP. Jean-Marc has relationships with all of these people he's worked with in the past. How did you go about finding your team? Um, Ross Katz was my executive producer. And Ross um, has done many, many films um, as a producer. He did Lost in Translation and a couple of other Sofia Coppola movies and also has directed, directed uh, Taking Chance um, and a few things. And he, uh, I was lucky enough to, you know, he's... He's kind of a friend, but he also loved the script, and he was my executive producer, and he had a has a relationship with Alar Cavolo, who's done right. many, I mean, I, I don't even want to speculate how many films, but it's been a lot. Um, and uh, he teach, he had sent it to him and not told me that he'd sent it to him, and then he, he came to me and he said, you know, Alar loves your film, and he, he really wants to do it. And um, I don't think I really understood at the time what a, what a coup that was. Um, he's an extraordinary partner in every way, um, he is the loveliest man that you ever want to meet and, um, and so supportive, was so supportive of my vision and so clear about why he wanted to do the film. I mean, he turned down a, you know, hundred million dollar action movie to do mine. And, um, and he also was the kind of person who would go out on the weekends and location scout <laughs> on his own. Um, so he found some great places for us to shoot. Um, so having him as my right hand was extraordinary, an extraordinary gift. Um, and, uh, I had some great producers who were locals in Canada. Um, 
who were the, you know, on the ground producers and they were extraordinary. And we massed a really green, but incredibly, um, excited and optimistic crew who, um, who wanted to work their asses off and they did. And, um, we gave, I was very much of the mind of wanting to have the department heads be women. And we were able to do that. Um, apparently in Canada, it's hard for art directors to move up, especially for women. Uh, actually they couldn't remember an art, an art director that had, was able to make that transition. And this incredible woman, um, Cheryl Marion came in and she did the, an incredible pitch and had a book and pictures and the whole idea for me when I came in to meet her. And I thought, well, why hasn't this happened before? And this needs to happen now. So, um, she has a lot of, had a lot of relationships with people and houses that she could go to for, you know, a wall or a couch or, you know, anything that we needed. So, so that was incredible. You know, I've produced a lot and I really feel like I understand what it means to get a crew that's going to work cohesively and what it means to uh, communicate with a crew. Um, even as an actor, I feel like a crew has always been an intrinsic part of the way I work. Um, I have to feel like we're all in it together. I have to feel those legions behind me. It's very, it's, and, it, and I, so I worked hard as a producer always to, to crew up that way as well. And I think that it is so much, and I'm sure you would agree that so much is a part of the director's job to, to communicate our vision to everyone so that we're all making the same movie, you know? Um, so I think that uh, I had a great listening crew. Except for those Canadian. <laughs> I love Canucks. Canadians. Love them. I'm freaking uh, Canadians. We, uh, before we... Um, Let's, ju let's jump to uh, uh, the final uh, uh, act in the trilogy, the, the post-production process. I wanted to ask you, Kara, I was thinking as a, a, a first-time director, I'm thinking back to my first one, my first time. Uh, I, I, have, I have to ask you, when you went in and saw the editor's assembly yeah. for the first time, yeah. I mean, are we talking? Are we talking Valium or barf no, bags or anything like I, that? Or I'm how did you feel? I'm quite sure that this will never happen to me again. But I have to tell you that I enjoyed it. You oh, know, my God. I did. I felt like we didn't have a lot of footage. You got to understand. I mean, you know, we had a small budget. We don't have a lot of choices. And and I was. Um, I really felt like I I didn't want to shoot a ton of coverage. It wasn't my vision. So um, so there was a lot of great things about it. And Sabine Hoffman is a genius. Sabine Hoffman works with Rebecca Miller. She did a movie that I was in called Personal Velocity. She's an extraordinary editor. And she was cutting as we were going. So I knew what I was going to see. I had a sense of you know how the scenes were getting cut. Um, so I didn't want to kill myself. No, no drugs involved. Oh my God! That came later. Uh, I'm I'm thinking of uh, the this. Uh, uh, turning to you, Jean Marc, uh, you we saw uh, a little bit of this amazing closing sequence to the seventh hour, uh, and I'm going to look at my notes a second because it, it, it it's just you got such a, an amazing denouement to this to both the mystery and the character relationships um in in all in in less than 10 minutes we after in the you know after seven hours on a high with this high wire act we 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 find out not just who the killer is but uh, who was killed uh you pay off the footprints in the sand uh, to reveal that it was Perry who raped Jane. You'll uh, bear with me on all those names. Uh, you show it's Perry who is dead uh, at the bottom of the staircase. Then in the montage, the testimony, which you, the brilliant use of sound and the lack of sound, uh, the women of Monterey are banding together to, uh, to transcend this experience. You, you, you show us Perry's funeral. You uh, you intercut Perry's funeral with the women beating him uh, at, at at the staircase, beating him to the ground. Uh, intercut the waves that are crashing that that kind of uh, hammer the turbulence of the moment. You as you've alluded to, you uh, it's bravura filmmaking. It's it. I was totally 
astounded and amazed by what good work that is. And I, the question is, did, did, did was this entirely preconceived on your part, or did you discover it in the cutting room? Both, both. There was, uh, I would say, um, 70, 30, 70 was planned, and also David wrote it. Uh, then we pushed it maybe a little bit more on the set with trying some stuff. And then in the cutting room, uh, we found this idea of doing the, the waves and the, um, the beating when Alex Kosgaard's character becomes uh, crazy and starts to beat not only his wife, but the other woman who, tries to, who are trying to interfere and help Celeste, Nicole Kidman. Uh, uh, this, uh, in the cutting room, uh, we had the idea of doing something uh, uh, every eight frames, every nine frames between Perry becoming so violent and these women becoming as strong as the ocean. Mm -hmm. And then we tried it and uh, we built a team of editors. We were six at the end. So we started, we were three. And then as I was seeing, you know, the amount of job uh, that needed to respect the schedule, I asked each of the, the producers, you know, I think I'm going to need more help and more guys, uh, more, more guys and girls who were uh, girls, um, female editors and male editors. And, uh, and uh, so at the end on episode seven, we were six, six of us uh, cutting. And, uh, and on every show, it wasn't like these two editors are cutting three and these two four and so on. It was everybody was working on one show. So on episode seven, we were six to cut 60 minutes. And, and editor number one was cutting page one to 10, editor number two, page 11 to 20. And then once they were done with one pass, then they were sending it. And then we were challenged, I was challenging them, but the, their first pass, they, they were doing a second pass and so on with all the editors. And then once we had everything, we were all of, all of us, the six of us were challenging the whole, the work of everyone. So at the end, I was calling them, you know, Eisenstein who did the Kriasie Potenschkin. So I was calling them uh, Marc Eisenstein, Veronique Eisenstein. <laughs> and I want you to challenge me. I want you guys to be better than Eisenstein with this scene, better than the staircase scene where it's, it becomes uh, the the impact, the contrast between these shots become, uh, you have, you hardly have time to see what's going on. It becomes impressionistic almost, you know, and, and, and it's just a guy losing it and the ocean and these women getting beat, getting beaten by, by him and, and everybody, we all work, the six of us on this, uh, I think it's nine second, it's a nine second moment the ocean, the beating, and Alex going crazy. So it's nine seconds, and there's every shot is between six frames and ten frames. So it's it's not even half a second. So it's it goes uh, it goes until Zoe Kravitz arrives, and then boom, she pushes mm -hmm. Alex, and then we stay on this shot, and we hear the breathing, and then the wave, and then we do the back and forth. And we had so much fun doing, exploring all these different space time, you know, between the flashback and the present and what's going on on the beach and what happened there. So, so, so that's why it, it happened in the cutting room. You had a good instinct right. to this, this, yeah, this thing. Uh, it was uh, the ideas, uh, the whole thing, you know, and it's just like she was saying also, you you start to work and we discover and we learn and we adapt and until the final moment, even in the mix in the mixing room, sometimes we get some ideas and whoops, let's change this song. <laughs> let's move it and let's not use this one there. Look, let's try it. And, and then whoops, it's better. <laughs> Well, Kerry, you had your own strong sense of, uh, of, of editing. I mean, you can't tell me that was new. I, uh, you're not a newcomer. That, you're, you're, a, you're, you're an experienced soul in a newcomer's body. Uh, I thought your denouement was great. You, that, that, that there's, a, there's a quite a surprise in your film, and I, I, I feel like I, 
should uh, not give this away, but I'm going to because you should have seen the film by now. Uh, we, when that moment when we discover that Deanna has actually been the instrument of the of uh, of this video getting out, and she was the one who actually. Uh, inadvertently uh, t uh, recorded the moment and then it got out through some of her girlfriends because she wanted to prove that she wasn't a virgin in, any longer in high school. Uh, but that whole, uh, th that montage of, of the young Deanna playing uh, in that yellow coat and through the father's uh, uh, anguish uh, leading to uh, this really strong resolution at the end of the picture, your sense of editing and pace and tone and rhythm and storytelling was marvelous. And and so I kind of want to ask you the same question. Was it discovered or did you always know that's how you wanted it to be? Or did you discover it in the cutting room? To you some know, I, I think we were really taken aback by how powerful um, some, you know, again, some both and mm -hmm. both things are true both they were planned and both they were not planned at all and they came out of seeing the footage between the little girl and the father that flashback footage with her and her orange you know yellow slicker as you as you mentioned was so powerful i didn't plan on intercutting that with things that were happening currently um but it seemed powerful and it totally worked and we tried it and it was it was beautiful and it worked because that's how memory works right it's like mm -hmm. you know we we have these flashes we have just these images and they're they're quick and they're fast um so i think it was both um i, I really think so much so many things were tried. It's so funny because I, I almost don't even remember whose idea that some things are. Right, you know, right. you think, well, that, that must have been. I mean, really, it, this is really a team sport directing. I mean, I, I got to say, as an actor, I feel much more alone. And as a director, I'm like, <laughs> I got all these people. They're going to help me. They're going to help me create my vision. When the camera's on me and it's action, that's all me. You know, <laughs> honestly, it's the way I feel. You know, it's 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 a, like the dirty little secret that no one tells you uh, as an actor. Um, but so I, I, I do. I feel like so many things happened in the moment. And I same thing with me. Um, you know, we were in the mix and something didn't feel right and we changed something very much musically at the end, very end of it. So, I mean, I think that's the beauty. I think you can keep tweaking and keep and nothing is, you know, it's, it works for that moment. And then you can think of 20 other things that but then you have to make a choice ultimately. And then it's only until you screen it and you see people's reaction and you feel the audience breathing as one and laughing as one and crying as one. And then you go, oh, I definitely, something was done right here because I feel us all in a theater acting as one organism. And that's really the only time when you go, oh yeah, that was good, that was right. Well, uh, I, extraordinary work. Thank you so much for being with us this Thank you, thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this exclusive discussion. You can watch the full video of the Movies for TV and Miniseries Symposium and of our Meet the Nominees Feature Film Symposium on our website at dga.org slash events. Past episodes of The Director's Cut are available wherever you listen to podcasts, and be sure to click subscribe so you won't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to like, share, and leave us a review. It helps viewers like you find out about the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.